I told you guys before, and I'll probably, if you just know me, I'm going to talk about Jesus, I'm going to talk about food, and I'm going to talk about my wife. Those are three things I'm going to talk about um, whenever I'm around. So um, this morning, I'd like to invite you to journey with me through a very familiar passage of Scripture, Psalm 23, one that I'm sure most of you have probably read and heard many, many times. Um, I shared a little bit of my story with you in times past, but the short version is that I got um, saved because of an invitation to a youth group and free pizza. Um, and so that's what got me. Uh, I was in a Spanish class. Someone turned around one day, handed me a card. It said 180 Youth Ministries. They told me about the youth group that they went to, and they said the magic words, free pizza. And I said, that sounds good. Where's that at? Um, and so I ended up going to church, and I tell people that I got saved every week in that youth group. Um, once I started getting serious, I was down at the altar every week because I just wanted to, I was trying to say, Lord, I want to do this thing right. But something that really impacted me is when I received my first Bible not long after that. And it's a blue New King James Bible, and um, someone, a friend of mine got it for me. It has my name inscribed on it, all the cool things, if you remember those times. But I just started reading that book. And I opened it up to the New Testament, and I just started reading the words of Jesus through the Gospels. And I you know, continued on, and I just decided I was going to try to live my life like what that book said. And I gave my heart to the Lord even deeper. He really became the Lord of my life. I made a covenant with him when I was 16 and said, Lord, wherever you send me, I'll go. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. Whatever you ask me to say, I'll say. I know some of this is familiar to you, but I want to say it again because I want you to grasp today the depth of why I care so much about Scripture. Is because it's been integral to my journey of faith. It wasn't just sermons that I heard. It wasn't podcasts I listened to. It wasn't just going to church. It was opening up this book right here and reading these words and saying, Lord, change me. Lord, shape me. Lord, mold me. I believe this is the living word of God. Not because it's alive and it flies around or anything like that. It doesn't do that. But when you open this, it's living because you can read the same thing a different day and the Lord will speak something different to you in the season that you're in. And this book changed my life. And I remember I was at a summer camp and our district youth director, I was in Southern California, um, and his name was Drew Smithson. He became a mentor of mine, dear friend now. And I remember him telling everyone, he said, one of the things that he did is every day he would read five psalms and one proverb. And he said, every month I read all of the psalms and every proverb, because there's 150 psalms. So if you read five a day, in 30 days, you read 150 psalms. There's about 30 proverbs, if you read, 31 proverbs, actually. If you read through the proverbs, you've got to double up a couple times. But if you read through them every day, matching the number of that day, you'll read through the whole book of proverbs every month. And so I started to do that when I was young. And I said, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. Drew Smithson does it. Sounds cool. I'll try that. And so I started doing that, and I started reading through the psalms, reading through the proverbs, over and over again, month after month, and allowing these words just to begin to sink deep into me. I'm sharing this with you because today I want to share with you about what's actually considered one of the spiritual disciplines. And I don't know if you've studied or heard about spiritual disciplines before, but there are a set of practices that for years, decades, centuries, people have been practicing in their pursuit of being like Christ. And you maybe practice some of them yourselves, like fasting, prayer, silence, solitude, to name a few. One of those is also meditation on God's Word. And so I want to read a passage to you from a book about spiritual disciplines by a man named Richard Foster. 
Um, it's a book called Celebration of Discipline. If you're interested in the spiritual disciplines, I would encourage you, check that book out. It's absolutely life-changing. It genuinely is life-changing. But he wrote this. He said, In contemporary society, our adversary majors in three things. Noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. Psychiatrist Carl Jung once remarked, Hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. If we hope to move beyond the superficialities of our culture, including our religious culture, we must be willing to go down into the recreating silences, into the inner world of contemplation. In their writings, all the masters of meditation beckon us to be pioneers in this frontier of the spirit. Though it may sound strange to modern ears, we should, without shame, enroll as apprentices in the school of contemplative prayer. And today I want to invite you into this world of contemplative prayer. A moment where you open up the word, you read it, and you say, Lord, what do you want to teach me from this? And you sit and you dwell on it. Maybe you just had these moments in your life. I've had them many times. As I read through scripture and I just end up stopping on a verse that I can't get past. It happened to me recently, just a few months ago. And I haven't been, I've been dwelling on this thought for months. And it says of Jesus, and I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I read this passage. It says of Jesus, they were passing by and he wanted some figs from the fig tree And he went up to it, and it didn't have any fruit, and he cursed it. And it's noted in that passage of Scripture by the writer, it says, because it wasn't the season for figs. That's why it didn't grow any fruit. I've been dwelling on that for months. I don't have any fascinating things to tell you yet, because I've been meditating on this. I've been contemplating this. Lord, What? why did you curse the tree if it wasn't the season for it to bear fruit? What are you trying to teach us? Some would say to be ready in season and out of season. Scripture talks about that too. There's a lot of things. It's a whole other sermon for another day. But I'm sharing that with you because I hope today that the Lord may speak to you about a familiar passage in a new way. And maybe, just maybe, challenge you to leave today and spend the rest of this week, maybe the rest of this month, contemplating Psalm 23. But before we get there, I want to lay some foundation for us. It says this in Matthew nine thirty-five to 38. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. I want you to catch this part. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Before we can really grasp the reality of Psalm 23, we have to allow our minds to be a little bit imaginative here. And here's what I mean by that. Here Matthew recounts this moment where Jesus sees the crowds that they were harassed and helpless he has compassion on them and it says that he recognized they were like sheep without a shepherd 
And so this morning, as we unpack Psalm 23, I want to invite you into this thought that you are sheep. I am sheep. I am not the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And so I'm going to ask you to consider with me today, what does it mean to be a sheep? (laughs) And maybe that sounds silly to you, but friends, can I tell you, sometimes you have to contemplate differently to grasp some deep truth here. What does it mean to be a sheep? Charles Spurgeon, famous theologian, he said that before a man can truly say, the Lord is my shepherd, he must first feel himself to be a sheep by nature. For he cannot know that God is his shepherd unless he feels in himself that he has the nature of a sheep. He must relate to a sheep in its foolishness, its dependency, and in the warped nature of its will. We have to consider ourselves the sheep that need the shepherd. And I don't know if you've ever taken the time to really pause and consider those things. I don't necessarily sit around all the time and go, what would it be like to be a sheep? Although I do think about strange things, so my wife could probably attest. Sometimes I do. It's true. I'll just be like, have you ever thought about this before? Just this morning, randomly, I asked her a very random question like that. (laughs) And I said, have you ever thought about this? What about this? I mean, it just happens, right? But I'm asking you today, would you consider... What does it actually mean to be a sheep? Now, we could probably put a, you know, a board up here. I could write some things out. I'm not going to do that today. I just want to invite you into this. What does it mean? And I love what's said here about Spurgeon, that we have to relate in its foolishness and its dependency. The understanding that I actually don't know everything. I really don't know everything. The life of a sheep is really pretty simple when you think about it. Um, they go where the shepherd takes them. They eat the food that the shepherd leads them to, um, which that's actually a really profound thought, isn't it? Um, That the way you feed sheep, at least in terms of a shepherd and sheep, is not by bringing food to the sheep. It's actually leading them to where they can eat for themselves if they desire to. At least that's how old school shepherding works. (laughs) And that's what Jesus is talking about. So I want to lay this foundation here to invite you into these words. Because today we're going to unpack each line of Psalm 23. And just some different thoughts from them. So let's read Psalm 23. Let's dig in. Now I'm going to be reading from primarily the English Standard Version. And so that may be different than yours, just so you know. But we'll hit on some of those things as well. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, you are our shepherd. And the truth is, Lord, there's nothing that we need. 
So today, right now, this moment, we just pause to acknowledge that you are our shepherd, the shepherd of this flock. So Lord, would you lead us? Would you care for us? And will you, would you help us to know your voice and draw near to you? Amen. You know, there's this profound reality, and I, I don't know how many of you have had a privilege. I have not seen it personally, but I don't know if you've ever been to the Middle East or to other countries where shepherding is still a major thing. Um, but it's actually really incredible something that happens is most shepherds let their flocks mingle together. They'll take them out to the pasture, they'll allow them to go eat there, and all the sheep get all mixed up with each other. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen sheep before, but at least to me, a lot of them look alike. (laughs) And I would have a really hard time telling which ones were mine and which ones were yours. I just don't think I could really do that. Now, we could guess. I could be like, yes, this is Billy, and this is Sam, and this is George, and like find all of my sheep. But actually, what happens is they all mingle together. The shepherds will rest under a shaded tree. And then when it's time for one of them to move on, the shepherd will stand up, begin to move, and simply tell them to come. And the sheep know the shepherd's voice. In fact, in old school times, the shepherds would actually sleep with the sheep. They would stay with them. They would be near to them so that the sheep wouldn't just know their voice, it would know their scent, it would know their demeanor, it would know that he is their shepherd. And so when the shepherd went, the sheep would go, and it was this very deep reality that today we just don't see as much here in our culture. We don't see the shepherding thing, but there's so, such deep truth here about the spiritual journey that we're on with Christ as our shepherd. And Psalm 23 is really, it's written in a time where these words read by someone in the first century, even before, that they would have this depth of understanding of what it means for him to be a shepherd. Wow. You mean you stay with us like that? You protect us like that? You've heard stories of David as he was out tending to his father's sheep, right? You've read these. He fights off the lion. He fights off the bear. If you've ever been in kids' church, you've done the skit. You know it, right? Someone runs in from the back as a scary bear. He fights them off. (laughs) All these things, right? He protected them. There's this reality that when you understand what it means to be a sheep with a good shepherd, that there is a comfort that comes. There is this reassurance that just is built within you of knowing, I don't have to worry about anything because my shepherd's got me. He won't let me go hungry. He won't let me go thirsty. He won't let me be taken. Right? You read in the New Testament a story that Jesus speaks, a parable that he shares. He says, wouldn't the shepherd leave the 99 and go get the one? Wouldn't he do that? Now we would think, well, I don't know. That doesn't make a lot of sense. It's only one sheep. I still got 99. Those are odds are pretty good still. That sheep be gone. <laughs> it doesn't make practical sense, but it does if you're the shepherd. It does if you're the shepherd, and in fact, those other 99 sheep would have no doubt that the shepherd's going after the one because he knows the love and the care that he has for them. So I've gone and done a little work for you that I want to share, I'm going to share with you, but I've, I took Psalm 23, and I looked at it across a ton of English translations of this all kinds of different Bible versions. And and I began to look for the different ways it's translated from the Old Hebrew into English that it says these words. And I want to just journey with you through each one of these lines of Psalm 23. 
And I'm going to share with you what it says from these different translations and just share some thoughts as we journey ahead. So I want to unpack these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack nothing. I will not be in need. I have all that I need. I do not lack. I do not lack. It's hard to hear those words sometimes, isn't it? Because I imagine if you and I are honest, we probably feel like we lack some things. We probably feel like we want some things. You ever been there before? You want things? There's lots of things I want. I saw like a really expensive car this week. I wanted that car so bad. <laughs> right? I shall not want, I lack nothing. I will not be in need. I have all that I need. I lack, I do not lack. Do you understand that the good shepherd always cares for his sheep? But when the sheep wanders, it's sometimes harder for the shepherd to be there to care and provide and do those things. But he comes to look for you, to find you, to rescue you. There's this beautiful picture of Jesus that I'm sure you've seen carrying the sheep over his shoulders, bringing it back. He doesn't just come find you and say, come on, let's go, little sheep. Come back over here. But he'll pick you up. He'll carry you. Why? He's the good shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He lets me rest in green meadows. I've been in southern Nevada for an entire week. And the only green I have seen is on the road here in Overton, right down here. It's actually such a beautiful sight when you haven't seen green for so long. (laughs) And you see it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He leads me beside the still and quiet waters. You ever just taken a rest by the peaceful stream? You ever been on a long hike, your feet are tired, you're hot, you don't want to have to walk back to wherever you started, and you see the peaceful stream, and you pull off the hiking boots, you dip the feet in the water, allow the water just to refresh your feet. Isn't that such a wonderful feeling? He leads us to these places. He lets us lie down in the green pastures. I love that thought. That the good shepherd doesn't just force me to go into the pasture or near the stream in order to do something, but to refresh me, to restore me, to rejuvenate me, to provide for me what I need. He restores my soul. He refreshes my soul. He renews my strength. He refreshes and restores my soul, my life.
refreshing and restoring of our souls isn't something I don't know we often think about. You know, we understand rest from work. We understand refreshment when it's hot outside. I don't know what your drink of choice is. My wife absolutely loves Dr. Pepper. And I can tell you the moments where we've been out doing something, it's hot, she's thirsty. Man, the joy that she has, the refreshment she has when she cracks open that Dr. Pepper and she takes that cold sip and you just hear the, man, that's good. (laughs) Now we refresh ourselves, we do that, but do you know there's a refreshment that comes from the Lord for your soul like that? That when you journey with him and you lay down in the green meadows, you rest beside the still, the quiet waters, the streams, that there's just this a refreshment that comes from his presence. He restores us. He refreshes us. And friends, I got to tell you, the only place you can ever find that kind of fulfillment is at the feet of Jesus. It's the only place you'll ever find it. And you can search far and wide and you can go to all kinds of places and look for it. But the place where you will find the most restoration for you and everything about you is at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because he is your shepherd. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. He guides me along the paths. I don't know what imagery comes up for you with that, right? He guides me along the paths. So many different things. But... I'm thinking of one that's silly, so I'm not going to share it, um, because the one I really want to share is, uh, you've probably seen it, the footprints in the sand, the image. I actually love Star Wars, and I'm going to say it, because we're family here. I love Star Wars. They say of sand people that there's only one track of footprints. You never know how many there are, because they all step in each other's footprints. But I think that's true with us. The sheep that follow the good shepherd. He leads us. We're walking in the footprints that he leaves for us. Why? Because he is our shepherd. And the truth is, I aspire to be like my shepherd. I want to go where he goes. I want to do what he does. I want to say what he says. It's my deepest desire that one day I might be able to be like him. And then maybe others would come too. He is the one who guides us. And not for my own glory, not for my own sake, but for His name's sake. To bring honor to His name. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I fear no evil. I will not be afraid. Why? For you are with me. For you are close beside me. The sheep is not fearful no matter where they go because the shepherd is by their side. The shepherd is with them. It reminds me of Jesus' words, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
I'll never never leave you nor forsake you. That's a hard truth sometimes for us to believe, but I wonder if it's because we forgot that we're sheep. We forgot that we're sheep and that we have a shepherd and that he cares for us. And no matter what the circumstance, I don't have to fear. I don't have to have that inside of me. Why? Because my shepherd is with me and he's got me. And no matter how tough this is, Lord, I've given my life to you. I've gone where I've gone because it's where your footsteps have led me. It's the path that you have illuminated for me. And if, Lord, suffering is where I find myself, then I say thank you because you're good and you haven't left me. You haven't forsaken me, no matter how dark it seems around me. I love what it says of God that even darkness is as light to him. I can't even comprehend that. Even darkness is as light to him, is what Scripture tells me. That to him, he walks into the dark place and says, what darkness? Light exists. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort and console me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. The rod and the staff of the shepherd. I don't have enough time to really unpack these, but if you want to know more, please go study the rod and the staff of a shepherd. They have purposes. And for a sheep to see the shepherd with those things says two things. He will always keep me near him, and he will always protect me. They have unique purposes, the rod and the staff. To protect the sheep, to keep them near, to keep them from harm's way to reach them when it's hard to reach them. It helps them to bring them in. You prepare a table before me. You prepare a feast for me. This next word, is this next line is the same in every version I've looked at. In the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. You have anointed my head with oil. You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows. My cup runs over. My cup overflows with blessings. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This imagery is so profound if you think of it from the reality of the sheep. The shepherds would actually, they would take the time to anoint their sheep with oil to protect them. To pour oil upon them, to let it go across their, I'm going to say fur, but that's the wrong word right now, but I can't think of the other one. Sheep stuff. Wool, that's the word. Thank you. Sheep stuff, wool. They would pour the oil out because it would, it, would keep, it would keep insects out. It would keep bugs out. It would keep little thickets and things that might stick. It would help to prevent those things from happening. It was such an important thing for that sheep to have that experience. But the sheep only gets that experience if it's near enough to the shepherd to receive that. 
that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, I feel, to me, I read these words and I almost feel like that's what's happening in a darkest valley sometimes. That it's not just this beautiful feast place I'm walking into, but he prepares this for me regardless of who's around me. Regardless of what's going on. My shepherd prepares the table for me. He prepares a feast for me. When the enemies are banging at the door, he's preparing a table. Why? Because he wants to restore my soul. Because he's the good shepherd. Because he knows that you still need the nourishment regardless of what's going on around you. That he's not going to let you lack even if it's going on. And it might be a difficult spot to eat something (laughs) in the presence of the enemies. You know what I like to think about this passage though? And please don't go out and write a book on this because I can't say that this is the whole truth. But I read these words and something that resonates with me is to have a table prepared for me in the presence of my enemies is not just one that excludes them from the table. But I wonder often if this is also an invitation. An invitation reality that even those who would persecute me have a seat at the table here. That I would still invite you to sit at the table and dine with me. Now how in the world could I do something like that because my shepherd's near me? My shepherd is near me. I don't fear. I lack nothing. So yeah, I got some food and you're hungry and you are my enemy. Great, come on and eat. I got some food for you. It's a profound thought to think that even in the midst of those realities that we can still have the table a bountiful table with plenty to share. And he anoints our heads with oil and our cup, it overflows. It overflows. You know, I think of the disciples when they come to the Last Supper and Jesus is there ready to wash their feet. Maybe you know this story. And he's taking the position of the servant. And they walk in. And one of our wonderful disciple friends comes in and says, No, 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 Jesus. You can't do this. Like, I have to be the one to do this for you. And he says, No, you don't understand. If I don't do this for you, you have no part with me. And then he says, Well, hey, listen, I'm all in. So if that's the thing, man, wash my head, wash my everything. Jesus, not just the feet. Pour it all over me. I think of this moment with the sheep here about my cup overflowing. Have you ever just put a cup on your table and poured stuff in it till it overflows? Probably not, because we don't want to spill stuff all over the table, right? That doesn't sound like a good idea. But this reality of there is an abundance that he brings to the sheep. That they go, yeah, let it overflow. Let it overflow. And what I love about the overflow is it means that there's more than enough. It's more than enough. And it means that I can continue to give because he fills my cup to overflowing. It reminds me that as the sheep, I'm capable of giving unto others out of what he has given me because there's always more than enough. There's always more than enough. Surely your goodness and mercy, surely your goodness and love, certainly goodness and faithfulness, Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love, surely your goodness and unfailing love will follow me, will pursue me, shall follow me 
all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. And my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord. And I shall dwell forever in the house and in the presence of the Lord. Forever, 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 forever. My whole life long. I've spent many years meditating on these words. Digging deep takes some time. You cannot expect to dig a deep hole by searching for small things all over. You have to commit. I've said many times that reading scripture is like looking for uh, seashells on the seashore. It's fun. I enjoy it. I love walking down a beach and looking for cool shells. And sometimes I find really neat ones. I grew up in Southern California, so finding a whole sand dollar was like, that was so cool. If you found a not broken one, they were always broken. But you find those seashells, and sometimes we approach Scripture in that way where we find these little nuggets on the surface, and we go, wow, that's so great. I'm going to hold on to that. But I want to invite you into something deeper because I would say it this way, that picking up seashells on the seashore is one thing. But mining for gold is something different. Mining for gold takes a lot more time. Mining for gold takes some more equipment, some more commitment, some more sacrifice, more time. And I believe that there is incredible things within the words of Scripture that are available to us when we want to dig deep. And I've shared these words with you of Psalm 23 this morning. And I want to do this as a time as you know, we begin to wrap up here. And we're going to just play some light instrumental music. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can keep them open to Psalm 23 or on your phone. We'll put some of it up on the screen too. But as we close today, I, I don't want to miss the opportunity to simply give you a moment to meditate on these words for yourself. I know what God has been showing me through Psalm 23, but I want to give him a chance to show you what he wants to show you today too. So we're just going to take a few minutes, and as this music plays, would you just meditate on these words of Psalm 23 for the next few minutes?
the Lord, my God, the everlasting, Alpha and Omega, Provider, Savior, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, You, Lord, are, not was, not will be, not might be, You are, Lord, mine, my very own, my shepherd, the one who cares for me, watches over me, preserves me, the one who never leaves me, the one who sustains me, the one who doesn't give up on me, the one who comes after me, you, Lord, are my shepherd. I shall not want, I will not, I need not, you are all I need. I shall not want. You, my King, my God, the Almighty One, the Lord of hosts, my Shepherd. You make me. You allow me. You invite me. You desire for me. You make me lay down. Pause. Sit. Stop. Rest. You make me lay down in green pastures, fertile lands, abundant groves. You lead me, you guide me, you direct me, you lead me beside still waters. Calm, quiet, peace, rest, soothing of my wounds. You restore Complete, make whole, make new, replenish, heal, you restore my soul, my essence, my being, the core of who I am. You lead me, walk beside me, instruct me, show me the way. You, my shepherd, lead me in paths of righteousness, holy living, becoming like you, the right paths, the way, the truth, and the life, paths of righteousness for your name's sake, for your kingdom, for your glory, for your fame, for your renown, for your name's sake. Even though I walk even though I stumble, even though I crawl, even though I wander, even though I am lost, even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, death itself, fear, trembling, anguish, turmoil, brokenness, shame, self-hatred, doubt, sin, through the darkest valley, I will not fear will not doubt, will not be consumed, will not stray, will not give up, will continue on, will remain steadfast. I will not fear evil, wickedness, iniquity, darkness, disobedience, my depravity, my sin. For you, my God, my King, the Everlasting One, my Almighty, my Savior, my Shepherd, my King, are with me, beside me, near me, before me, behind me, on my side. 
your rod, your protection, your strength, your shield, your rod and your staff, your guidance, your assurance, your correction, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Bring me peace, calm, assurance, they comfort me. You prepare a table, a feast, a celebration, a banquet, sustenance, provision, care. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, my persecutors, my false selves, my demons. You anoint, you cover, you prepare, you cleanse, you protect, you anoint my head my thoughts, my way of thinking, my head with oil, that which protects, that which sustains, that which cleanses, and my cup overflows. It's filled to overflowing. And surely, certainly, without doubt, more certain than I can be, surely your goodness your gentleness, your faithfulness, your peace, your love for me, and your mercy your loving kindness, your grace, your eternal presence, surely your goodness and your mercy shall follow me, will follow me, is following me, shall not depart from me all my days. Every year, every season, each moment, each fleeting breath. And I shall dwell, reside, abide, remain in the house of the Lord the home of my Father, the place of my King, the place of my Shepherd, your dwelling place, forever and ever. You, Lord, are my Shepherd. I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. You guide me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. 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 I encourage you this week to meditate on these words and continue to allow the Lord to teach you, to lead you, to guide you on His path that he's placed before you. I want to pray with you as we go today. Um, and I want to say as well, if you'd like some personal prayer, my wife, Lindsay, and I will be here. We'd love to pray with you uh, before you leave today. But I'd like to pray a blessing over you as we go today from the words of the Apostle Paul. May you receive this prayer today. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, 
being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen and amen. Family, Lord bless you. May he be with you and go before you this week. Um, We love you here at New Hope. Lindsay and I love you guys. We want you to know we pray for you all the time. Um, And we are believing with you for the right person that God has for this place. Um, And so, Lord, bless you this week. Dig deep into his word. Don't forget about the Monday night Bible study. Youth come out on Tuesday. It's going to be rocking. And I think that's all the things. Praise God. Go on Faith Life. And uh, we'll see you next time.